Hello and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Entrante and today we are joined by a Boston-based musician, songwriter, A Day Without Love. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey Tom, I'm glad to be here. Can I call you Brian or should should we keep it A Day Without Love, which is cool? Uh, definitely call me Brian. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I actually talked to one of your guests and, and, and met them in real life. What? And I was like, there's no way in hell... I'm going to start calling you boy junior and you're going to call me oh. a day without love. And, yeah. and we just started laughing. Cause I was like, who does that? You know? So, right. Yeah. That's great. We loved having boy junior on. That was a ton of fun, but yeah. So I, I, maybe we can start there. Cause I'm always interested in how artists like are choosing to present themselves. Right. So for starters, I wanted a moniker cause I started getting into music, like really getting into music during a time where, the only songwriter that was like a thing was like Matt Nathanson and John Mayer. Everyone else had a moniker. So like mm-hmm. Gregory and the Hawk, you know, City in Color, The Rocket Summer, uh, Hello Goodbye, uh, yeah. Never Shout Never. You know, like granted these people had bands, you know, but they were very much solo projects. And right. I said to myself, like, I'll never know when music is going to work out for me, you know, but I don't want to have my day job career or my personal life conflated with my music life. Like it has to be a balance, you know, say that's because I'm a Libra moon rising or whatever, October 17th, <laughs> my birthday. Um, I, I needed to make the two things separate. So I knew I wanted to have a moniker. And before I called it a day without love, before I was recording and I was just like an open mic artist, I had a new band name all the time. And then like in 2008, which wasn't related to my music, I wrote this poem called a day without love, which was about a time that I stopped a spousal abuse incident in college. I just pretty much saw like a guy like beating up a girl and, I stopped it. Cops came. Then, you know, they separated each other. And then, like, saw the girl a few days later, and she told me, thank you. The dude went to jail, and she was transferring school. So, like, I don't have contact with either one of the people. Like, you know, it wasn't, like, a personal thing. It was more of, like, a this is the right thing to do. So I wrote a poem about that. So that that happened when I was about 18, going on 19. Uh, When I was 24, I was homeless. Homeless due to Hurricane Sandy. I was couch surfing, sleeping on different friends' couches. Uh, A few times I even slept on uh, benches outside and I still had a job. So yes, uh, just for the houseless population and anyone stigmatizing, you can be employed and still, you know, Mm -hmm, fall behind hard times. And like, I was in hard times for about 20 days, which like in the grand scheme of things is a long time, but it felt like a long time. And there was just one day in uh, Times Square where I was playing guitar and I fell asleep and then I woke up and this man tried to like urinate on me, like, like, you know whole tool out and everything like i freaked out and like moved i thought aggression but i decided to just run away instead uh packed my things went back to campus i was a oh yeah by the way i was also a student too i was a grad student Mm -hmm. while this was all happening and i just wrote down notes like i need to like really record and really perform music and i said you know what granted that poem was about something else i'm gonna make a day without love about rising above because i won't ever let someone put me in a situation where they can urinate on me or put me in a situation where I'm this vulnerable. Flash forward, I have been in some some dark situations, but at 24, I wanted to write about how living in Long Island and being around the New York metropolitan area just wasn't for me. And that's when I wrote Island. And I wanted to center my music about talking about the struggles of my life while also inspiring others to not give up on themselves. Yeah.
day without love is kind of a double meaning. Like the day that you lose love is the day that you lose your sense of self, but also it's trying to remind yourself to always love yourself, to live with love, to live with a giving heart as well as a receiving heart. So yeah. Wow. Well, trauma I, bond I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, but, but sincerely, you know, I appreciate you really, um, you know, opening up about all that. And it's a really beautiful sure. story of like, obviously everyone's music is important to them. Right. But I think something like that really highlights, you know, where you're coming from in a really sincere way. Thank I'm you. curious to go you know, a little further back when you were growing up, what kind of music were you really gravitating towards? I grew up on hip hop and Motown. My my uncle still is, is a hip hop DJ. Shout out to Bizzo from Augusta, Georgia. Uh, nice. He was DJing block parties. So I grew up on like old dirty bastard and like dancing on the streets going like, Ooh, baby, I like your role. <laughs> like that's what I grew up on, you know? <laughs> Or um, listening to Jackson 5 vinyl, listening to B.B. King, Jimi Hendrix, Bill Withers, Marvin Gaye, Glass Night and the Pips, you name it. I was listening to that. That's like what my grandparents raised me on. I didn't get emo until I found alcohol, you know? Like, yeah, there were kids that were trying to get me to listen to Good Charlotte and like the sixth grade and stuff like that, but I, I resisted. And I remember I had this Tasmanian devil boombox and... Uh, I would shift between like the hip hop stations and the rock stations. And I did hear like Creep by Radiohead, Smells Like Teen Spirit, yeah. but I didn't really dive into it until uh, 2004 in the month of August when I first sipped on alcohol and I met this kid and he was in a band called For the Foxes back in the day. And uh, he introduced me to AFI and that was like my first like scene oh, yeah. uh, act. And then like after AFI, this is on a cruise ship, He's introducing me to Green Day. He's introducing me to like all these other acts and his other buddy too, who was uh, also in a in a lot of bands. But they were like Jersey punks. And I'm 15, learning how to drink, learning how to get high on a cruise ship. I'm learning about punk rock all at the same time. Yeah. And then I became a man of uh, two different identities. Yeah. So same body. You know that that's so interesting. Do you feel that way? still that you have these sort of like two identity musical identities <laughs> now if if uh multiple genres uh disorder was a thing i have it you know uh, it's definitely <laughs> not a disorder I'm, I'm being cynical yeah. but i definitely adapt from so many different styles and i still question have i done enough in, in that realm and i feel like these days i surround myself around songwriters that do different stuff like i don't feel like i fit under the category as like genre is just a construct because it's 2023 but i feel like more like i'm the product of a person who grew up on my with my grandparents grew up in the church also went to a catholic like elementary and middle school so all of that upbringing like it's like you go to school and you're hearing about the the spice girls but then you go home and you're listening to the temptations like that's not a clusterfuck i don't know what is you know because yeah. some kids like you know, they they grow up on David Bowie and they go to school talking about David Bowie and all they know is David Bowie. But for me, it was like, all right, code switch again, code switch again, oh, a code switch again. So like the, that code switching just became part of my identity, you know, and it's kind of hard um, living like that. But at the same time, I have to just say, like, that's just who I am and, and that's OK. I'm not invalid for that. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting 
as a listener, right? Like, you know, this show is sort of at its core is about musical taste and, and who we are as listeners. Mm-hmm. But of course, as a songwriter as well, do you find that different parts of you come out with when you're working in different genre or, or is it like the eclecticness is part of the expression? You know, if, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And I, and I like that you asked that question. No one's ever asked me that. So I think it's a mixture of both and it's very nuanced. Each record that I've done, I've always had like an intent in mind or a sonic reference. So like my newest record that hasn't come out yet, a stranger that you met before that was supposed to be a homage to the different types of bands that I tend to play with and my interpretation of them based on having the influences of different DIY communities. But if I look at Megajohn, that was a compilation record where I was trying to pull a Chance to Rapper coloring book slash uh, Ed Sheeran, where I collaborated with like 16 different friends. And it was like, I'd share some shared them a melody or some chords or whatever it might be. And we would like literally fuck around and find out and things would happen. But then if you look at solace, like that was supposed to be like my Manchester orchestra slash like deer hunter record, you know, sorry, I have a lot of records. You don't even know. Um, My genre influences and shifts are really relevant to one, the type of story I'm trying to tell and two the experiences that I have at the moment in time when I'm creating. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So with all of that in mind, Brian, what is the song that makes you scream? This is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, I'm going to say twin sister or Mr. Twin sisters, depending on how you wish to name them. Uh, meet the frownies. reason why is because I think the record is a song that represents strong harmonic changes mm-hmm. to has parts that really stick in your head, especially that da 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 and three is the it, it, it's the father of one of the greatest hip hop B sides of all time. And four it you can't listen to it once. You like the minute you listen to it, you're sucked in and you're going to listen to it again and again and again and again. And, you know, playability and relatability is just really, really strong and meaningful to me. And that's why I think it's one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah. Yeah. This is really cool. It's a very cool vibe. And like you said, I, I think when the song came out, they were twin sister. And then after they became Mr. Twin sister. So, um, yeah. Why? <laughs> I never Googled that. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, you sort of alluded to it, but this song is used as a sample on a Kendrick Lamar song, a, a bonus track on good kid, Matt city. Is that where you heard it first or did you hear the, the twin sister version first? So I'm going to first answer your question directly. Uh, I heard it first from Kendrick Lamar, uh-huh. but I heard about Twin Sister before I've heard of Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. So I've known about Twin Sister because of the show House. Uh, they wrote a song called I Want a House, which was featured on the show. And, Very fitting. Um, <laughs> I went on, yeah, I went on a whole YouTube binge uh, about Twin Sister and I like stuck with them because I really considered the song I Want a House to be like 
a really good song that like generally the world knows if they if they hear it but like their popularity never became like extremely mainstream like they got mainstream enough to like get a very big sync deal but they're still able yeah. to like go to whole foods or trader joe's or just you know do what normal people do so <laughs> yeah. i definitely think i want a house is what did it for me to get into that band and then when I found out about Meet the Frownies, that like took it to the next level. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I think the you know sampling is such an interesting thing, and we haven't really gotten a lot of opportunity to talk about it on this podcast. Mm. But I'm curious if you have thoughts of like your relationship with both songs, because obviously you know you said you you heard the Kendrick first actually, and then came back to the the Mr. Twin Sister, and I wonder like. Once you are super familiar with the Twin Sister version, and enough so where you're saying this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life, right? Does it change the way you hear the Kendrick? Does it, you know, make it better? Does it make it more interesting? Or, you know, that kind of connection between the two? I thought it made it more interesting. That kind of made me respect Dr. Dre more. Now, granted, Dr. Dre is problematic. I just respected him as an artist, as a person. That's a different story for a different podcast. Right. But I thought it was very interesting to, like, hear that turnaround in the recipe. And then when I heard the original song, see that it was a key, uh, key switch. So I thought that was very interesting. And um, there were certain parts in meet the frownies that I thought could have been used in the song, in the, like in the, in the recipe yeah. song that weren't used like that, that part where it's like, da, 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 da. like that harmony part I thought was like pretty cool. That melodic harmonies. Well, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I had heard, Probably both of these songs, but you know, when you picked it, it wasn't something like, oh, I, I know exactly what song that yeah. is, right? So I w- went back and listened to the Twin Sister version first. So I'm listening to that first and sort of picturing like, oh, like what would be sampled from this on the Kendrick song, right? Mm-hmm. And I expected it to be the beat because the drums are so prominent in mm-hmm. the Twin Sister song and it's got this really cool sort of like retro Motown beat yep. almost. And then I listened to the recipe, which is also, I mean, it's great. But I was almost surprised that it really doesn't sample the drums. It samples like the, you know, the vocal hook, a little bit of the chords, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm also, uh, I want to just talk about, because I always find it interesting, like how people pick the songs for this show. And before we started recording, you said that the prompt of having to pick one song was kind of what made you excited and wanted to reach out to us. I'm just curious about that of like your process of picking this song and the sort of challenge of it, if, if you saw it that way. Certainly. Um, I had to think about a song that both feels timeless. Like, so this might be a weird take. I feel like album of the year lists are like really bad because the song's too young, right. you know? And I think the greatest songs aren't the ones that were big, like, that short moment in time, but the greatest songs are the ones that are still a great song five years, 10 years, six years later. So like when given the prompt, like choose your greatest song, I was like, it's going to be wrong. If I choose one of my friend's songs, it's going to be wrong. If I choose one of my own songs, <laughs> I have to choose a song that like still is bumping over the past 10 years. Like, you know what I mean? So I chose Mr. Frownies because yeah. it, it fits all my categories for like, what makes a good song? Like, all the vocal parts stand alone, all the bass parts stand alone, like all the parts stand alone and they sound so good together. And then the lyrics also feel very good. So, and then on top of that, it was used as a sample for a song that also is played a lot in nightclubs. So like, I just think 
Like that would be really great. There was a lot of other runner-ups, but you know, I yeah. thought that was like the song. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great pick. All right, well, thank you so much for coming and talking about this song and, and so many other things. And again, I really appreciate you, you know, just opening up and uh, sharing your music and sharing your story with us. If people uh, want to hear your music or just get in touch with you and f- follow you on the internet, where should they go? They can just type in a day without love. Literally, my email's a day without love. My PayPal's a day without love. My TikTok's a day without love band, but still, you'll find it under a day without love. My Twitter, a day without love. My Instagram, a day without love. My Venmo, a day without love. My website, a day without <laughs> love. You get merch under a day without love. My Bandcamp, a day without love. So, literally, if you type in the words day without love, you will find me on any streaming site or customer facing platform where you can pay me or just watch nice. me. I love the consistent branding. That's that's what it's all about. The problem with the branding on our show is that I decided it would be funny to have a show title that's ridiculously long. So we can't, like, none of our social media handles make sense, you know? <laughs> so we Certainly. really messed it up, man. I mean, if you if you spell out the acronym, your acronym is yeah exactly it doesn't it doesn't doesn't really work yeah and people are like what (laughs) so (laughs) but you know what it is what it is um but again thank you so much for coming on and uh hopefully we'll talk soon Thank you for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you like what you heard, and I hope that you did, please think about leaving a rating or review, or share it with a friend, or a lover, or even an enemy. Be sure to follow us on social media at Great Song Pod. That's GR number eight Song Pod on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. Special thanks to Catherine and Izzy, who helped co-produce the show, to Skylar Spence, whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, and of course, to you, the listener. Thanks so much, and I look forward to talking to you next time. This is the greatest song I've ever heard.